a Radio 191 FM podcast. This is the Zanin Public Art Gallery Late Breakfast and I am just about to play out an interview I did with the wonderful Millie Minchin Anion and Richard Orgis about their um, exhibition that's opening up called Civic Pride at, at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery. Um, um, Civic Pride sets out to broker a new conversation about the changing nature and function of a site that sits in the civic heart of Otipoti, um, the octagon, and the plane trees that line it. Um, Millie has had much experience with curation, um, working for many galleries, most notably the Douse and now the Dunedin Public Art Gallery. And Richard is an accomplished Auckland-based artist whose work often, ana- often analyzes queer conversations and spaces um, using a bottom methodology, which allows him to create and facilitate environments of um, intimacy and understanding in his work and that is definitely evident in their collaborative curation of this new exhibit which is opening today so if you haven't got a lot to do today and you really want to check it out I would thoroughly recommend it there's currently a talk happening at the DPAG but if you can't make it to that here is the interview that I did with the wonderful artists uh, enjoy and Millie Ann, Millie Machan, Millie Machan, yeah. um, here to talk about the exhibit they've worked on. Um, Millie being the curatorial intern at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery, and Richard being an artist who has come down from. Uh, are you based in Auckland? Um, where you first spearheaded the Wild Project, was it? Yep. Yeah. Um, to work on the exhibit Civic Pride, which is an awesome opportunity to uh, allow people to sort of reconcile this intergenerational exchange of information from. Um, the South Seas exhibition and that relating to the more colonial great exhibition to Dunedin in the modern day and the Octagon and what that means. So I guess, uh, Millie, could you give us a bit of a summary of what it is you're trying to achieve with the exhibit? Yeah, sure. So um, when I first arrived in Dunedin, I've only been here for about six months, I was really interested in the South Seas exhibition because it's this ginormous exhibition that covered about 12 acres, kind of where Briscoe's Rebel Sport is right now. And it was like this um, exhibition that had like 630,000 people through it in the time that it was open. And I was thinking about it in terms of what came, like what kind of profits were made so that things in the town could be improved, like civic amenities, it's a difficult word, and um, how that South Seas exhibition has affected Dunedin's development. And a lot of um, what has been sort of, uh, you know, the big buildings around are all kind of like from that era, the big kind of profit making of the 1880s and 1890s um, and off the South Seas Exhibition. And one of the things that I was really interested in was the Dunedin Amenity Society, which planted trees. And they decided to plant 16 trees in the octagon and those 16 trees came from one single tree in Kew Gardens in London. Wow. And I thought that was just kind of like amazing that from the South Seas exhibition, these trees have sort of lived through time and grown up around the city and they've kind of become their own sort of iconic part of Dunedin. And how we've used the space in the octagon and how those trees have been there the whole time has been really interesting because they've, they've been witness to so many things and so many events and that's kind of what I was, you know, I was looking into in terms of the exhibition. Um, and then it's sort of also spurred on by the fact that some of the trees are dying and two of them have been chopped down 
And so this is kind of where Richard comes in, in terms of wild projects and in terms of um, giving the trees a little bit of love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So what is it that you are doing with the trees, Richard, if you could give a brief summary? Yeah, so um, it's been an ongoing conversation with Millie and I, and it's during an, um, a, years, a few years of doing works with trees, and the latest iteration is dealing with something called um, bottom methodology that was started with a conversation with Belle Smith, and it's a way of looking at art making and pedagogy and kinship, um, and sort of turning um, notions on its head, a counter position, and so instead of looking at um, our relationship with trees as um, paternal, it's more of how can we form intimacies with trees on a more horizontal level. Mm -hmm. And so um, the text and the meditation asks us to think about developing a relationship with trees that is all already intimately linked over you know, billions of years of evolution, but how can we look at them um, in a different way? So it's, it's thinking in terms of a queer and um, ecological kind of mind frame. Interesting. Um, considering then, when you mentioned that the original tree was from Kew Gardens mm -hmm. and the sort of innate, sort of at least somewhat colonial heritage that comes with where Dunedin came from, mm -hmm. looking at it now, in uh, when uh, some people, um, Smith and Turner as an example, sort of view New Zealand as a more post colonial society, mm -hmm. how do you think that? this project sort of tries to communicate how far we've come and how that sort of relates to this sort of more post-colonial state that we've reached. What I think is really interesting is that in 1889 they were calling it a post-colonial state. They <laughs> thought like one of the main impetuses was for that exhibition was that the colonial was over now, now that British like Dominion is established it is now post-colonial and so their post-colonial is obviously a lot different from what we consider post-colonial is because yeah, we have a completely so. different definition but um, it's sort of I think the trees are really complicated because of that they come from London they are the symbol of like Britain mm. but I think what what I'm trying to sort of say in this exhibition is that they've kind of changed over time to be not a symbol of Britain but a symbol of Dunedin yeah. and a symbol of you know what the future holds in terms of climate change and global warming so you know trees are really important and the plane trees in particular are incredibly good for picking up pollutants in the city they're very good for urban landscaping so I mean just that that aside, that's my plane tree fact for the day. Yeah. I'm only allowed one. <laughs> there's, there's amazing um, conversation starters because obviously they were these colonial flagpoles to um, reimagine New Zealand as um, a part of England. Mm. But now they're, they're sort of victims of um, global warming in terms of this mysterious fungus that's killing them that um, I think is probably due to the heating of the soil and the pollution. But also, um, exotic trees or plants have become um, victims of xenophobia. So this idea of keeping things out, or what is not New Zealand. And of course, that's a very complicated conversation in 2019. Agreed. Um, I guess then, perhaps then we can talk about the, the more visual aspect of the exhibit uh, in relation to that, because you've lined the room uh, for anyone who comes to see the exhibit, the room's lined with photos of mm. various time 
like sort of snapshots of the octagon in development with the plane trees. I particularly like the one with the saplings when the octagon was just completely bare. That's a fascinating image. It feels so far detached from what we see now. Um, when you are arranging these images, considering the sort of thinking around the project, how, how, um, what sort of informed the way that you've set up the exhibit in that way? Um, the photos were really important because I kept coming back to them during my research and I kept going, oh they're quite, they sort of, it's so interesting to see how people kept coming back to this one point in Dunedin and kept taking photographs of it and kept taking pictures of the trees and kept, like there's, there's more of these photos where, than on, that is on the walls. But it was really interesting kind of watching how those little saplings grew and you can see like horses and carriages in the background. This is the end of the Boer War in one of the pictures. And you can kind of see like they've just kind of been there the whole time and lived throughout. And so what I really wanted to try and show is um, sort of a, a mostly chronological history of the octagon to now. And so you can kind of leave and you can go out and you can kind of see where the octagon is and apply some bottom methodology of Richard's work to the octagon. And there's also um, there's uh, wooden turned bowls by Croydon Patton, who's at the Otago Wood Turners, and they're made from the plane trees that were felled. Wow. So they were felled in 2015, I think, because they just completely died. And I think the council have been trying for years to sort of rescue and remedy them, but you know they had to be chopped down because they were kind of a danger. And so they gave the wood to the Otago Wood Turners, and those are the bowls that you can see in the cabinet. And um, there's also Rebecca Steedman, who's an Auckland-based mm. artist, has got some ceramic jugs that have been fired with plane tree ash glaze on them. Wow. Yeah. So it's all very, you know, conceptual craft. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's amazing yeah. how much material you found that although it's perhaps abstract and mm. it doesn't represent quite the form of a tree you've been able to include. Mm. And it's awesome. Oh goodness, uh, uh, kia ora so that was part one of the interview with the wonderful Millie and Richard. Um, that was a Radio 1 91FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.